15 listeners on the Spotify stream. Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of cream soda. Oh, you ever hear the tale of Richard and Joe? This tale not be for kids, sailors only. Though, these are only guidelines. There were two dudes, Richard and, well, Joe. Well, you know, they're two guys trapped at home with nothing to do. And they decided to start a podcast discussing movies. And they recruited the help of mates John and Kenny Armstrong. Now, imagine, if you will, the last sound you hear on God's green earth. The roar of the Armstrong melodies and the two dudes discussing movies for hours on end. Aye, that'd be strange, though not as strange as the tale of the time where they dealt with a man and potatoes from Idaho. Anywho, that be them. You can still hear their echoes through the ocean, and whatever, however you listen to the show. Anywho, that was the legend of the Two Dudes One Double Feature Podcast. Welcome! Welcome everyone to Two Dudes One Double feature, the show in which two dudes talk two films, that is about it. I am Dude One, Richard. And I'm Dude Two, Joe. And today is an incredibly special episode of Two Dudes One Double Feature, because today is the one year anniversary of doing this show, which is crazy. That's right, folks. If you've been sticking around with us for this long, the pandemic has been going on since then, plus a few other months. <laughs> but, yes. That is, that is a sad takeaway, but no, we've been doing this. I think it's, it is it is important to mention it, because if it, were, if it weren't for the pandemic, we would not be doing this show. Which is a sad thing to think about, but also, you know, at least it, it has provided us with some type of comfort and thing to look forward to uh, each and every week. Exactly. For, I think at the top, we need to thank a lot of people because if it was just joey and i i think the show wouldn't have i mean it probably would have gotten somewhere i'm not saying we're not you know incompetent but you know we had a lot of people help us out admittedly like uh my friend alex ford who's been on the show a couple of uh once but uh we'll have him again soon um and uh he he's trying to guess uh our our next episode coming up this week that we're recording and so he said, if he guesses it right, I have to sing Taylor Swift. But uh, he didn't guess it right. But I'll, I'll sing Taylor Swift to him later, I guess. But, <laughs> but, um, but no, he, he was very instrumental. And he has his own podcast uh, called Griffcast. And uh, obviously go check them out. The, he helped us figuring out how to get the show out there and how to upload it and where to go from. And so obviously thank you to him. Our friend Gifford who not only suggested our first, um, I guess, listener-suggested episode with the Batman-Superman episode, but um, he also has helped us 
uh, with some of the social media stuff. And, you know, obviously he's a really good friend of ours. So thank you, GIF. To everyone who's been a guest or has appeared to some degree on the show, obviously Allison, uh, who has been in two episodes now, right? Two? Am I missing one? Yeah, two. Two. She's always fun, and I always get, I'm always excited to see her. So thank you, Allison, so much. Um, uh, Dr. Feehan for coming on the show um, and talking to us about giant monsters. So thank you to him as well. And obviously everybody who was in our radio drama we did in October, uh, you know, Allison again, Chris, Alex, other Allison, <laughs> which you're just as great as, as the, uh, as you know, two Allison's always great. Um, Gifford again, obviously. And, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't say anything, obviously to John and Kenny, because, you know, they, they are just as important to this show as anybody and as especially probably more important than us half the time because they just they they elevate things so high we've said it before um we love their music we're like it's always like exciting to hear what they cook up whether it's like when when we were doing the the pacific rim gamma episode i'm sure like maybe we had some kind of idea of what what could happen but when we got that like surf song it was like the craziest most fun thing like like it's insane yes, and yeah. they've they've been doing tracks every single episode and we couldn't we couldn't hope to do this show with anybody else and we are grateful to have them involved and um very lucky actually as well and i was i'm just going to thank you good sir dude too because you're help you helped me get through a lot of this easier by doing the show with me and just, you know, even just those first few months, just keeping each other company more or less, because we knew a lot of crazy shit was going down. And so this is my favorite thing that I do right now. I'll probably, I'm going to repeat all of this in the credits, but you know, this is my favorite thing I do right now. And I, I'm very glad I get to do it with you. So thank you for that. And, you know, seriously, everybody, everybody that listened, everyone that's helped us with the show, it's, it's, thank you so much. Well, I can't hope to top that as far as, um, <laughs> thanking everybody. I thought, I thought I was getting long-winded, so I appreciate you saying that. But, um, <laughs> I will add my own, um, little bit. Of course, we have to thank John and Kenny. As far as a production standpoint, they really do elevate the program. Like, not even just the music, John also came up with our new logo. yes. That I, I almost like to sort of think that that's like, you know, because Disney parks have like sort of their, like their anniversary things. I like to think of that as our one year anniversary logo that just kind of <laughs> ends up like sticking around, you know, the one year anniversary of two dudes, one double feature. <laughs> it's like you've been doing that. It's been your one year anniversary for another year. Yeah, we just really like the logo. We just we, we just we just really like the logo. So obviously, definitely uh, huge, huge, but also huge thanks to Kenny, because I mean, I cannot think of a more perfect Brian from Idaho than kenny freaking brian from idaho that whole running joke <laughs> that just i still remember like when because like it all came it all came about when you were like <laughs> um you know we're gonna start like you know we'll give shout outs to people which we still want to do so if you want us to give you a shout out by all means but uh just like and then you just randomly said brian from idaho and then it just kind of went off from there and it was just funny getting messages from people like my sister or anyone else that checked out the show I'm going, so who's Brian? 
<laughs> like, like, who's this guy that you guys seem to like so much? And then I'd have to be like, he's not real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, you know, I, I, I am glad that, 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 um, this, this random character that I, I created <laughs> was portrayed by as excellent an actor as Kenny. So thank you, Kenny, for that. Uh, obviously, you got to thank everybody who did who did the um, the radio dramas and just popped in here and there as voices. All of, like the listener suggested episodes that we've done, which admittedly isn't a lot. We'll try to change that, but we just there are so many movies we love talking about anyway too. So mm-hmm. we'll try to come up with some type of balance um, in the future. Obviously, got to th- got to thank Doctor Feehan. You know, huge. He is a huge fan of this uh, of what we do on this program. He's always I'm, I I always like to think of it as like a fact checker. Like if I like if I say something, I'm like, I'm like all right, Doctor Fiend's probably gonna be like, no, actually, Joe. Like, listen, what you should have actually said was and push push up his glasses, you know that that type of uh, that kind of deal. Listen, sir. <laughs> and of course, Allison, uh, my girlfriend, you know, and also just truthfully, sorry, Brian from Idaho, she's the number one fan of the show. I, I mean, yeah. nobody nobody else other than Richard, nobody shares the posts more. Like she, I, I I am not even the the biggest fan. I'm not even the second biggest fan of this show. Just to, just just to put it just to put it like that. Like I am not. Like I'll I'll make a post of it. I'll try to like share like try to increase engagement and all that. But she really, uh, she really takes care of a, a, of a lot of that. And she's appeared in two episodes. We're gonna have her on a third episode in the future. We'll talk about that uh, as it gets closer. Uh, a very. A very special episode. Very uh, special. I'm very excited for that one uh, for a number for a number of uh, of reasons. But thank you, Allison. I love you. I know Richard. Um, Richard appreciates I pr- you. I, I I appreciate you. I mean, I do love you, but just not romantically. It, yes. Um. You know. But <laughs> yeah. I, I I guess that I guess that I mean it is. It's like listen. You know, because we've I I know we brought this up. Like I forget what like at what point in the show we we brought this up. But I was like, listen, like the fact that we've been doing this for this long is kind of insane because we've had other attempts at trying to do like a YouTube presence kind of thing or a podcast mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like I remember when we tried to do that Criterion show and like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like I think the close, I think the closest we ever got to like act before doing this, the closest we ever got to making anything was maybe the times we appeared like in each other's videos. It's like you've been in. I want to say three of my YouTube videos now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because one of them was just New York City, one of them was uh, Central Park, and then one of them was when we went to Disney. So, yeah, I think that's it. I'll have to look into it later, but I think that's the closest we got. But it was fun, right? No, yeah, it, that that is definitely fun. But it, it's actually it's really cool because it's gotten me off of my butt to do to do things. I don't, you know, like I have a I have a busy schedule as it as it is but it's nice to go like okay i can dust off my my camera and record like a youtube video or you know use my microphone record and we i mean obviously we put this episode out we put these episodes out there for other people but we we don't do this for anyone else ultimately you know i mean we're not it's funny too because like we don't even look at like the analytics all that much i mean we try to keep up with it so we know how we're doing in certain degrees um, but we ultimately just do the show for ourselves mm-hmm. because it, it gives us, it makes, it keeps us productive and it gives us something to do, especially these days. And, you know, it's, it's just fun. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, it, it is fun. And it's, um, uh, it's, it, it's just kind of crazy. And we're almost at 50 episodes. 
That's the other crazy it's so thing. so weird. <laughs> it's like, and we have, like, I, I don't know if, I've probably said this before, but we have planned, like, up to 100 episodes, which is not concrete. So, again, if you want to suggest an episode, you can listen, still do that. Listen, there's but... some films that we talked about, like, a year ago that probably won't get talked about for a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of that, um, for this specific episode for for our one year, we wanted to kind of revisit our first episode, the one where I said two dudes one podcast instead of two dudes one double feature. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm not embarrassed by that anymore. <laughs> but <laughs> we've come we we've come a long way. I I, I like to think yes, we have. I, I I just linger on things, admittedly, but um. Uh, with that episode, um, we it, the whole thing was launched because of a mixture of things, but ultimately um, because I was just bored one day and I watched Mask of Zorro on Netflix because Joey like would just talk about how much he loved that movie, and it was just it was the middle of the summer and I wanted to watch it, and then I told him about it, so we watched it together, and I caught I just constantly talked about how it reminded me of Pirates of the Caribbean. And then it sort of led to Joey kind of like bringing up, you know, I had this idea, um, obviously before watching the movies, but uh, I had this idea to do like uh, a double feature style podcast and um, I liked the idea a lot and here we are. Yeah. So if you have any complaints, it's all my fault. I like I, 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 I like to think. <laughs> I mean, I tried to, I mean, I tried to make it like, like I bet if I'd never sat and watched the movie, we probably wouldn't have mentioned it. So it could be my fault too. Yeah, it's a it's a mixture. We'll we'll take um we'll each share the blame. But we, we we are two dudes, but we wanted to harken back to that a little bit. Yeah. So our first episode, in case you don't know or just joined late, was called Mask of the Caribbean because it was the Mask of Zorro and Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, uh, two really excellent movies of their other type, movies that they don't really make too much any anymore. Uh, this week. We're going to talk about their immediate sequels, and we're to start things off. We're going to talk about the 2005 um, movie, The Legend of Zorro. Yeah, <laughs> I will say, I've I prior to this episode, I had never seen this movie, but when I watched Mask of Zorro, I I remembered there was a sequel, and I was like, Joey. I know you talk a lot about Mask of Zorro, but how's you know how's the follow up? And then what did what did what was your response to that? I don't remember what my response was actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm paraphrasing myself mostly, but essentially it was like Joey going, "No, <laughs> that one's not good." Yeah, that it's kind of it actually makes me think of like Pacific Rim in a lot of ways. Yeah, because the first film in each of those franchises is so exemplary so good so excellent in craft mm -hmm. and everything that you could yeah. possibly want that type of movie to be and you're like oh man it'd be really cool if it got a sequel and then a sequel happened and then you're like <laughs> Ooh. E -e i mean so be careful what you wish for sometimes but the legend of zorro how long ago because like the first one came out in the late 90s right first one came out in 98 and this one came out 05 so that was a seven year Seven year difference, right? A seven year gap, I think. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I'm not thinking about math right now. 
Um, Doctor Feehan, if he's good at math, he can correct me on that. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I can hear him pushing the calculator buttons now. <laughs> but either way, it's just such a long. Not that it's not, it's not the longest gap between sequels, obviously, but it's such a long period of time to wait to do a follow up a little bit. It's a long period of time, especially because the first one was successful, but it wasn't like star wars successful or like spider-man or any like a major it was like yeah that was a hit everybody who was involved made a couple bucks people liked it made some money probably on vhs hooray and then you waited that long to make a sequel it just seems odd but it's happened a lot though like i I think of like sin city for example like when the first one came out i remember so many people saying like oh make a follow-up make a follow-up and then robert rodriguez made a follow-up but it wasn't for like years for him and like by that point even mickey rourke you know looked so different when he put on his like makeup to play that character again it just seemed really (laughs) off-putting admittedly (laughs) it'll always be sort of weird to see like someone older unless it's like that's the intention to like show an older version of the character but to show like maybe a couple years later for a specific character and then to have that actor put on like a suit or makeup it always just looks kind of weird because obviously so much has changed between then and now and the the actors got older and they just they don't it's just something doesn't fit right the hair with the hair the hair the hair with antonio banderas who we love immensely like there's no question whatsoever from either of us our love of antonio banderas and he clearly could still play this role if he wanted to i'm sure like old man zorro i would totally be okay with let's let's make it happen but um uh in this one he's got he's got a weird haircut <laughs> and it's it's cuz it, he I don't know it just looks weird it's straight it's short he's like emo zoro it looks like he's got like really straight hair it's he he he's adopted the sort of like um 90s like boy band haircut the like the like part, middle part and like straight and it flows down with like you know what i mean i forget what that's called i don't know but i just i just um i'm gonna step away from the microphone for a second because i'm gonna shout it makes me think of like I, I just felt like he was like every scene of the movie he looked like he was about to burst into how could this happen to me <laughs> <laughs> which is admittedly an appropriate <laughs> thing given the time period but if, if Antonio Banderas decided to join Simple Plan, I, I mean, I would be okay with that. I think I would listen to Simple Plan. <laughs> I would let, you know, by all means. I mean, I'm sure they're fine, but I'm like, oh, Antonio Banderas. <laughs> like, wow, I didn't know he was in this band. But, yeah, so basically, like, I think one of the big things um, with this, I think my biggest note is, like, the magic just isn't there from the first one. Mm. The first one, I just think, they're just, everything, it hits on all cylinders, you know, you, you got you got Anthony Hopkins as the as the mentor. You know, old Zorro character. Antonio Banderas is a great like le- young leading man type. Catherine Zeta Jones. I mean, you just need to Catherine Zeta Jones. I'm you know, and and like their chemistry, like that on the dance floor in that scene in that scene, the fight scenes. Stuart Wilson as like as the bat as the bad guy, uh, in that movie, like he's excellent. And uh, the one dude who, from The Flash, I forget his name, but he was an ex- Oh, yeah! Yeah! Was he Reverse Flash? He was the legitimate Reverse Flash. 
Like, if you've watched the show, you you kind of, you understand what I'm saying. But yeah, he was the legitimate Reverse Flash, and he was also in Her. I just remember he showed up in two movies we talked about. Oh my god, that's too funny. But like, it move that movie hits on all all cylinders. And this time around, I think one of the big things is the chemistry just doesn't feel like it's there. Yeah, as much as it was in the first one. Like they're not bad together, Catherine Zeta Jones and and Tony Banderas. Like there's still some. You know, some stuff. There's some amusing parts, but I think because of the way the story is, because basically he's been Zorro for a while, but he's all, it's like the, like the dad he, who works too much type of plot line. It, all that plot line. <laughs> you know, we've talked about it before. <laughs> we talk about it a lot. You know what I just kind of thought of though with this one? I feel like, okay, imagine if this was like a trilogy, but then take out excuse me take out the middle movie and and you're that's what we got yeah it feels like a third chapter and we're missing a huge chunk because they just never made it it's kind of like when when people when people say like oh i i it's kind of when people talk about like luke skywalker in the sequel trilogy and they're like i wanted to see like people wanted like a scene of luke skywalker going to town with his lightsaber type of thing Mm -hmm. you know you feel like oh well i didn't get to see much of like that prime luke you know because we saw him in return of the jedi and then we see him pop up at the end of force awakens this feels like okay we got to see antonio banderas as like a zorro that came into his own by the time the first movie ends i want to see zorro like in the in between that like where he's he where he's like after anthony hopkins has passed because he gets killed in that first movie but and then you know he's work, he's doing the Zorro thing, and maybe before, right before he has a kid or whatever. Just I, my my point being is like I felt like I feel like one of the biggest problems with this movie, and it's just not something that can help with, is like the the when they made it was bad, and just the direction they they took with it. I think because of those circumstances was not great, which led to something that happens a lot, oddly enough, in like third chapters in these types of movies, is that you don't spend a lot of time with Zorro. You know what I mean? No. Like, like in like in the Dark Knight Rises, obviously it's more centered on Bruce Wayne, or in Iron Man three, it's mostly centered on Tony Stark. But and so again, it just kind of furthers that feeling that maybe this was, you know, something that should have been told later. Um, but it it's just kind of weird to watch the movie and just just to see how little he actually is Zorro. I mean, you get that. I, I will say, like when you had that opening scene. When um, he's like fighting those guys and he's Zorro again, it was I will say that was kind of a nice introduction for a moment. I was like, oh, this isn't that bad, you know, this is pretty entertaining. And then Lit- like it cuts <laughs> after that. <laughs> Listen, there like, are <sighs> there are fun moments like that opening like fight scene with like with the ballots and all that mm-hmm. is a lot of fun. You know that that's a really good time. I think the end train fight is freaking awesome. Like that whole yeah, thing. So it's, got the, it's a bit of a Lone Ranger syndrome, a little bit. It is, you know what? And I, I feel like that that ending scene, like it, it propelled my imagination in a lot of ways because I feel like I, I want to write stories involving trains and massive mm-hmm. battles on trains. And you love trains. I love trains. It's my favorite mode. It's my favorite mode of transportation. There's something something kind of magical about a train that you just can't get with anything else. But anyway, like enough of that like the action there's some good action scenes in here there are there are some good action scenes i do like and they do like genuine stunts too so they could have they could have easily done more cg stuff especially since cg was sort of becoming like more prominent at that point and not to say they haven't they didn't do cg because there were sometimes they did but 
they at least tried to make it more stunt focused with the action scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I would, I would definitely agree with that. But obviously, we said we have Antonio Banderas and Catherine Zeta Jones. We also have other people in this film. <laughs> <laughs> there are, yeah. Um, if listen, in case you, this is, uh, we have a little bit of a, a little bit of Hollywood insider. In case you guys don't don't know, but um, if you're ever in a tight spot, right. And you're say you're making like a big movie with a with a you know a lot of crazy stuff going on, but you still haven't found who would be the perfect actor to play the villain, right? You know, so what Hollywood likes to do, and I'm sure he I'm happy for him because he gets paid every single time. Uh, but um, uh, the the great go to <laughs> of building this up too much, <laughs> the great go to for for all filmmakers to play villains is none other than mr rufus sewell listen and i think he deserves the build-up i think he's an incredibly underrated talent he is i'm not gonna lie like there's a reason he is cast as villains all the time because he is he has fun with them he's so damn good like um i was talking about like when we were watching the movie like man in the high uh the man in the high castle yeah he's excellent on that show um i i know i'm gonna bring up kenneth branda he's in kenneth branda's hamlet as fortinbras mm-hmm which is really cool, and that's a character that's often cut out of adaptations of Hamlet, but because that is, like, the complete Hamlet, we're able to include that character, and we're able to get, like, visions of him doing stuff, and he's really good in that movie. Like, he, he's he got a memorable face to him. He's got a memorable mm-hmm. presence. His, it's his eyes, too. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's the combination of his eyes and lips. He's got, like, these thin lips. Yeah. Yeah, like he's got, like he's kind of got like a like similar to like Willem Dafoe. The Willem Dafoe's obviously had more of a like a mixture of different types of characters, but like you know, so many people want him to play villains. Like obviously, he's fan cast as the Joker all the time, and he's played Green Goblin all the time. And like, I get it. I love Willem Dafoe. If he played Joker, I'd be excited. But you know what? Rufus uh, Swell as the Penguin would be fun. Ooh. I didn't even think of that. That would be a good idea, actually. I mean, Colin Farrell's are all, already him right now, but then this again, they're tr- building up a multiverse thing, so maybe. But I think the first time I ever experienced anything Rufus Sewell was, I mean, a Knight's Tale. Speaking of Joker. So, right. <laughs> um, and he was he was a great villain in that. And then the more I saw him and stuff, the more like it sort of pieced together like how often he does play a villain in movies. So, like... And like he's in the illusionist he's in um abraham lincoln vampire hunter <laughs> as uh like the main sort of like slave trader uh, i did want to mention i forgot about this um he was in john adams as alexander hamilton oh my god <laughs> my name is rufus sewell which is funny because <laughs> we're gonna is rufus sewell because we're, we're, we're also we're gonna we're gonna have another uh john adams connection in the second half of this episode <laughs> I'm totally okay with that. But I will say the uh, one movie I would always tell people to check out if you want to see Rufus Sewell uh, as an as a protagonist is Dark City. Ooh. Probably one of the probably one of two Alex Proyas movies I really like. Um the rest are just kind of whatever. But um I like Dark City because it's just like a nice like interesting film noir science fiction movie it's got Kiefer sutherland william hurt jennifer connelly um it's got great visuals um richard o'brien famous for uh rocky horror picture show plays an alien that clicks <laughs> he goes like it's really creepy but rufus sewell's in it and he plays the protagonist though he plays a protagonist 
who people think is an antagonist. It's a whole thing, but I recommend it. And watch the director's cut. Don't watch the theatrical cut because they spoil the twist at the very beginning of the movie. Well, that's that's not helpful. No. But in this movie, you know what's funny? And it probably could have mostly been because we were talking about the movie while we were watching it, but it took me a second to realize he was French. <laughs> like eventually I was like, he he has a French accent. I didn't I just noticed this. <laughs> uh, I I wanna mention um before I forget, as far as people that are in this movie, um uh to- Tony Amendola is in this movie, who's like Joaquin's teacher, and he says, Joaquin de la Vega. It's a, a line that I quote with my brother all the time. Shout out to Mike. Like, just randomly. Like, there, like sometimes there's movie quotes that just apply to real-life situations. This has no context in real life, unless you know somebody named Joaquin de la Vega. See, you pre, you kind of preemptively told me that this, this like, line that you quote all the time was coming up, and I honestly thought, excuse me, I honestly thought it was going to be something along the lines of, like, a typical thing. But if I should have known better, <laughs> I should have known better, because when he, when he says, Joaquin de la Vega! <laughs> and then you guys just start giggling I'm like that's the line <laughs> but and this, this is the, that's not even the most important thing the most important thing is he's actually in the mask of Zorro as Don Luis yeah and we and on that note there's another interesting double actor thing in the next film that we'll bring up but I'll, we'll get to that mm-hmm. but I, I do like um, even though I don't necessarily care for the whole like son father like thing that they decided to do for the plot i do like the kid like he has fun like the fact that he like sword fights with the ruler with his with his teacher yeah that like, was fun <laughs> like and then he just like swings out the window and then like and it bows and then you just see you just see on antonio banderas joaquin <laughs> also can i just say the amount the amount of like like drugs that tornado has been consuming in this movie listen we don't want like if, if you have an issue and you're a horse and you're in hollywood <laughs> don't let the don't let don't let producers drive you to do bad things because you know in this he drinks movie, he drinks he drinks alcohol he smokes he's he's clearly like not only has the actors aged but something happened in that window to tornado from the first movie to this movie and so i feel bad for him you know what i'm trying to think um and like and there's also just like there's like a a step down i feel like as far as like me caring about things because there's a scene where they i i think they what do they play croquet or something yeah yeah or like it's like a like a polo it's polo, so I'm polo, sorry. Polo, yeah. I, yeah. I really... That's how much I care about Well, about see, I, I, I only knew it was polo because I, I pictured the Ralph Lauren logo on, like, that, polos. Yes, thank you. Okay. So, so that's... Uh, it's nothing to do with the movie. I, it's, I just knew it. That. I just knew but, that. But they played, like, polo, like, the fight over fight over Elena, and just, like, whatever. Who wrote that scene? I know who wrote that scene, but I'm asking. Who wrote that scene? Do you want to tell who wrote that scene? <laughs> Uh, what are their names? I don't even Alex, remember their Is names. that Alex Kurtzman or Roberto Robert Orsi or whatever? Orsi? Yeah. Orsi? Who, those, those two are responsible for so many, like, franchises. They are responsible, Alex Kurtzman more specifically, is responsible for the, not only the startup, but the demise of the, of the universal dark universe. Yeah, this is true. This is very true. And... They, I can't. What are there any movies that they did that 
try to think of a movie that they've done that I actually like. I'm thinking, did they do Star Trek? Because I do like the the J.J. Abrams Star Trek. Did they do that one? Uh, yes, but that's like the first. That's like I'm I'm looking at the credits right now, and I think that's the only um the only thing I can really think about that I really like. And then, like, what are some of the other ones? I'm just curious. Well, I'm looking at um I'm looking at the filmography of particularly Roberto Orsi. Um, Legend of Zorro, Mission Impossible 3, which is better than, than the first two. Yeah, at least there's that, but it's it's still like... Transformers, uh, excuse me, Eagle Eye, Watchmen. Well, actually, uh, Eagle Eye, he didn't even write. He was just a producer. Um, I'm just looking at like the... Mm. Uh, Cowboys and Aliens, uh-huh. Star Trek, Star Trek Into Darkness, Amazing Spider-Man 2. Uh-huh. Now, um, uh, Star Trek Beyond, he was a producer on that. Um, so... You know, they're responsible for a lot of stuff. Like, you've probably, like, chances are you've seen a movie uh, involving these two guys. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of similar to the, um, uh, from, like, the first movie, Ted Elliott and Terry um, uh, Terry Rossio. Who have also, like, it was kind of, it's still kind of crazy to think about how many movies those two have done as well. But um, these, but with, uh, with Alex Kurtzman and, uh, is it Roberto Orsi? Roberto Orsi. Roberto Orsi. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm sure there's a lot more to blame than just them. So I'm not gonna put it all on them. I'm not per- personally a fan of a lot of the stuff that they've done, but with a few exceptions. But if there's one thing you can kind of point out that's at fault, it's got to be the script, because the story that they're trying to tell, it's just it's weird. There's a lot of choice, like they're they're kind of forcing themselves to be funny with like some of the right. some of the jokes that they add in. Whereas the first one, just like I think, built on the natural charm that um, Antonio Banderas and Catherine Zeta Jones and Anthony Hopkins all just have naturally. But this one, like the whole scene when he's drunk at the party, like I I, I couldn't deal with that. <laughs> if I'm being honest, that whole scene was just annoying to watch. No, yeah, I I agree. I, 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 definitely, I definitely agree with that. Um, I'm just trying to look this up. Like, this is, um, this is weird. So, on Wikipedia, and I don't think I ever knew this, and they don't, there's no sources on this, and I need to check the bonus features to confirm, but apparently they say on the DVD there's an alternate ending of this movie. Where Joaquin, grown up, puts on the Zorro costume. I, again, I'm gonna look up on my yeah, DVD why? and Blu-ray just to confirm, and I'll cut this out and I'll figure it out in the editing process to to see if this is even a thing. But you were gonna say something. I'm sorry. All right, and also here's the other most infamous thing about this movie: Abraham Lincoln's in it. Now, for for peep for context for people, this movie takes place 1850, which yes, Abraham Lincoln was alive then. He was not president. He was not president then, but more importantly, he was never he never went to California. He was never in that in that region of the country. So, in his life, outside of maybe him tracking I I'm, I'm assuming this is connected to Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter and he's just tracking Rufus Sewell's character. <laughs> he's just like, I found him. He's been in hiding this whole time. And there's a guy in a mask named Zorro. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> it's, it just it just made me think of in our last episode and you talking about how Bruce Almighty, um, Seinfeld, <laughs> and um, 
<laughs> I just edited it too. I don't remember. What was the first one? B movie. B movie. That's right. We're all like connected in the same universe. <laughs> so this this is me saying because Abraham Lincoln's there. That's them confirming that this is connected to Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. As far as other actors too, though, I want to give a shout out uh, to uh, Nick Chinland as Jacob McGivens. He feels like a character that would be in uh, a Gore Verbinski movie. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that the bald guy with the mustache? No. Which guy is that? He's got the cross, the cross oh, yeah. on his face. Oh my god! Yeah, the, the um the guy that looked a lot like uh, Corbin Burnson and uh, Kevin Costner had a kid. <laughs> yeah, like he he gets a lot of gruesome moments. Like like he's got like the 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 cactus cactus stuff stuck on his face, the cactus needles, mm-hmm. and his death with the, the the drop of nitroglycerin, and he goes. I think he's pretty. He's pretty good in the movie. I have to say, it's like a henchman, he's, like goon. Type. He's yeah. He he kind of channels that that sort of type, and he 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 relishes in it. I think, and that's nice. It's nice that even if you're not enjoying the movie, you can still appreciate the people that are. He's he's the Adrian of this movie. You know what he I mean? Is the Adrian, yes. He's the Adrian of this movie, and he's he's having a great time. He's like this like weird cowboy preacher, like you know. I'm the hand of God, and I'm here to deal your fate kind of guy. I, I don't even think he says that at all, but it kind of feels like that. Um, but, no, he is a fun character. His, his like, brand, his cross brand on his face I thought was pretty cool. It, though it, it felt like sort of obstructing his, like, face a little bit, but at least it was off to the side, so it's not, like, ruining any expression. And he gets wooden teeth at one point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I also just want to uh, mention, too, our, our Pinkerton uh, detectives, our Pinkerton agents... <laughs> who are played by um Michael Emerson. Uh, Michael Emerson who uh is in Saw and he's the voice of Joker in The Dark Knight Returns and um what was the other guy's name? Shuler Hensley. Shuler Hensley who Joey and I will definitely know him as Frankenstein from Van Helsing. He he gives an incredibly underrated um, turn as the Frankenstein monster in that. He's show. really he's actually really good as he like he he brings like an operatic nature to it. What are we talking about, Van Helsing? <laughs> I don't know. It feels like something we should talk about at some point. <laughs> it's I love we haven't that gotten movie. to that point yet. <laughs> I love. I still have my DVD copy I got as a kid. Fun fact: I don't know if I've said this on the show. Because my mom loves Hugh Jackman. Like, she saw him, she's seen him on Broadway a couple times and, you know, seen all the X-Men movies. We saw Van Helsing on Mother's Day in theaters. <laughs> That's how we spent Mother's Day, was watching a, 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 a Hugh Jackman killing monsters. <laughs> you know what, though? That's, that's a win-win. It's amazing. It's an absolute win-win. It's so uh, de- fun. Definitely. What do I, shout out to Patty. Love you, Patty. Uh, you know, yeah, so, I and I, I think my big takeaway with this movie, I think I almost want to end it on this, is that we talk about, like, movies like Godzilla 98 and, like, other movies that are, like, they're not the greatest, but they help you introduce you to a new world of things. So, this was actually the first full Zorro movie I ever watched. That surprised me when you saw, because I, I honestly could have thought Mask of Zorro was by far the first movie you watched. It was as not. Far as, that's insane. <laughs> I, that's I could insane. T- so that's crazy. So this like as a kid, I remember like you know because there's the iconic like Guy Williams like you know the Zorro the Fox da da da, da you know from the Disney one on the Disney sing alongs. I thought that was the coolest thing ever 
I was like, whoa, this is wild. This is like not a cartoon and it's black and white. Like, what's going on here? And uh, this guy named Zorro. And then, you know, I was like, yeah, this is such a cool character. And I remember getting from Toys R Us, there were like, they had like the Zorro like Rides Again cereals. I got them for like four bucks because it's in the public domain kind of thing, you know? Nice. And then, nice. I, then this movie came out. Um, and I saw it uh, with my mom, my brother. How old were you? I was 12 years old at the time. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I saw it with, with one of my one of my best friends at the time, and we uh, and I also bought a Yu Gi Oh structure deck. Uh, it was like Warriors Triumph. It was like the best day for twelve year old ever. Like, and it sounds I had, like it. I had Damn. a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun seeing this movie in theaters because I mean, there, there's a lot of like fun action scenes. There's some goofy comedy bits. You know, seeing the little kid. Like, I don't always relate to kids in movies. When I, when I was, I didn't always relate to kids in movies when I was a kid, but that was like a fun thing. Like, oh, you get to see him like, like fight the te- fight the teacher, like the ruler, or whatever, <laughs> you know, whatever. Um, but I had I had a blast when I was a kid, and you know what? Like, this is not a great movie, but I would I would rewatch bits and pieces of it if I'm being honest. Mm. And I mean, like the same with me uh, with other movies. Like, you know, regardless of how you feel about a movie years later. Like, there will always be something special about it because it, it did something or it accomplished something. You know what I mean? So, I mean, that, that you can never take away. So, like, it like even if it, even if you look at Legend of Zorro and say, yeah, you know, uh, at the at the end of the day, you go, it, 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 entered, it was a big part of my, my, my Zorro love. Like, it brought Zorro closer to you in a way. It's a very important piece, and uh, my life would be very... Again, my life would be... The podcast would not exist because I watched that movie and then I'm like, I have to see the first one and my mom got me the first one on DVD, which I still have on my my rack of DVDs over here and, as you know, (laughs) one of my favorite (laughs) movies and, um, yeah. This movie brought this podcast to you. So if you hate this podcast, blame Legend of Zorro. (laughs) (laughs) Blame Martin Campbell. (laughs) I mean, I blame him for Green Lantern, so this is just a new low. <laughs> well, in any case, so just to end it on, on this note, um, this movie, not the greatest, and it was also, it wasn't a big success when it came out, unlike the first one, which was a, a nice success. But our next film, when we come back, was a uh, a monstrous success, a huge success. One might say a swashbuckling success. Stay tuned. <laughs> Take a picture of me ringing the bell. Whoa, this cathedral has an elevator. And it has nice music, too. Chad, I just touched this rusty chainsaw. I think I have lead poisoning. Dude, I think that's the chainsaw. That's trapped blood. What do you mean, the chainsaw? Last October, the serial killer Christo the Chainsaw Clown was put down by a couple tourists. And I think his son, Bryson, was his clown assistant or whatever.
some smooth jazz to soothe your jangled nerves. Oh heck! It's a guy! A guy it is! Oh god! What happened to your face? Did you get attacked by a snow leopard? And snakes to boot? Fire, bro. Just a few pop shots at the bell. You shot Chad. Don't shoot me, my guy. I'll be right with you. Take your time. Have you got any almonds? Yeah, right here. Take your time. Here you go. Thanks. I'm parched. <clears throat> Something wrong? Frindo? Uh, it's 50 cents. For what? For the almonds. I don't know what you're talking about. The almonds I gave to you, you have to pay for them. Oh, I have to? Yeah. I have to pay for almonds I've never seen? Okay, you just ate them. I gave them to you. Excuse me. Sorry. That that picture behind you. Yeah, what about it? Is that your wife and child? Uh, yeah. What are their names? Sir, I don't feel comfortable giving you that information. Where do you live? Did you not hear me? I don't feel comfortable giving you that information. John! Officer John. Boy, am I glad to see you. How's Beth? Wait. Beth? <laughs> Is that his wife? How did you know? Oh, I was just admiring that nice picture before you came in so conveniently. Do you know what his daughter's name John. is? John. John. I really don't want him to... No, I don't know what her name is. Would you like to tell me? John, don't tell him. Francine! John! Sorry, I don't like secrets. Francine! Such a nice name. Sir, I'm gonna have to ask you to leave. Leave? And go where? I have no car. And my widow eggs are so tired from walking all this way, I might collapse in the heat. Gee, that's tough. Do you live nearby? Well, that depends. Depends on what? Nearby is not an accurate term of measurement. Take Rupert, for example. Okay! No. Would you say Rupert lives nearby? Don't answer- Don't answer that! Can I answer it vaguely? <sighs> I guess, but make it real vague. 5102 Rockway no. Road, Clay County, West Virginia. John! Was that not vague enough? Ho ho, you fool! <sighs> <laughs> well... I think I've proved my point. What point was that? How smart I am and how stupid you are. Fine, fine. Just get out. Both of you. I have to close up here and get home so I can relocate my family. Okay. Bye, Rupert. 
Bye. So, you need a ride? I could use one, yeah. Well, hop on in. The sewer inspection mobile. Sewer inspector? Why did he call you officer? I was an officer till I got demoted last October. Now I'm a sewer inspector? It's not as bad as it sounds, though. I actually really like it. I've always hated cops. Sewer inspectors I like, but cops I hate. They're always after me. What do you mean, after you? After me to keep on the move. Telling me what I can and can't do. No, Brian, you can't kill all these people. You can't cut in line at Burger King. Blah, blah, blah. It's the same story the world over. I know how you feel. You do? Yeah. When I got demoted, they took my uniform, my cop car, my fingerprint set, and they were going to take my keys, but I guess they forgot. D did you say your keys? What are these keys? Can I see them? I like keys. Yeah, the keys to every store, business, and impounded vehicle in Booger Hole. Oh. I have them right here. Oh, keys. <laughs> wow. That's so cool. It is pretty neato, isn't it? Do you have the keys to the Idaho potato truck that got impounded last Halloween? Yeah, yeah. I do. I guess I shouldn't ask you how you know about that or anything. I always find it's best not to ask any questions. Do you like potatoes? Oh boy, do I! Do you want to go get some right now? Oh boy, do I! You know where we can get some raw potatoes? A whole truckload. And we're back! Welcome back to Two Dudes, One Double Feature in our last segment. We talked about The Legend of Zorro as well as our one-year anniversary, which is still kind of weird to think about, but I'm, I'm happy we've been doing the show this long. And now we are moving forward with a, you know, another little movie. You know, it's nothing big. It wasn't anything major or anything, but, you know, it came out in, what, 2016, or, uh, 2006, somewhere around there, you know? Um, uh, it is the sequel to the other first movie we talked about on this podcast, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. Recording the podcast is cruel. Why should be the editing process be any different? <laughs> Life is cruel. <laughs> Do you fear death? Do you fear doing the podcast? <laughs> All your opinions, Lebear. <laughs> they they wager the only thing that we have editing an episode of the podcast. <laughs> Four hours for Star Wars. <laughs> anyway. Dude, to Joe, you are a liar, and you will be spending four hours editing a Star Wars episode. As I'm like, oh, as I have like a starfish on my face. <laughs> Why did you do that? Anyway. <laughs> no, but uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, um... We both really enjoy this movie. 
<laughs> yeah, we really do actually. <laughs> we might we might arguably be this movie's biggest fans. <laughs> I I would not be surprised like if they if they started like a Pirates 2 convention and we were the only ones, that would not surprise me at all. Or if there were other people, we would be like running the convention, I think. We we would I, you know what? Let's two dudes presents Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest convention. It's going to be in uh, the Caribbean, I guess. That would probably be a, a, an apt you know, location. Um, uh, we, will, we will be accepting small groups, because obviously we don't want large groups of people right now. Um, we'll get all the stars. Uh, we'll, get, we'll, we'll, we'll make a whole thing out of it. So Dead Man's Chest, obviously the sequel to the first film. The first film was a massive surprise success. I mean, it was just a surprise in general. I mean, because we never really got movies like that. We talked about that a little bit, obviously. But, like, not just, like, swashbucklers, but, like, pirate movies. Pirate movies and also, like, a pirate movie to be that successful. Because this was also after... That was also after Cutthroat Island, which is one of the most notorious flops of all time. Yeah. And just to have this, like, come around the bin, like, some, you know, movie that Disney was, like... For once, Disney was like, you know what? Why don't we adapt one of our rides? I mean, they've done it before, but like, why don't we like, like, you know, put a budget on there and like, you know, actually like, what if we tried? Yeah. You know, let's see what happens. And it was a huge success. Um, it was nominated for a few Oscars, including Johnny Depp for best, uh, was it actor? Was it best actor? Actor. Supporting best it? actor. Was it best actor? Best actor. Think about that. Jack Sparrow was nominated for best actor. <laughs> And yet, like, it's funny to think, like, everyone's like, oh, Johnny Depp's just playing Jack Sparrow all the time. It's like, well, it got him a nomination. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it's like, oh, clearly this is what's working, so I should try this a little bit. But he also got nominated for Sweeney Todd, but that's a whole other thing. Point is, it was a big success. That was It was a big success. And, um, you know, Gore Verbinski came back to direct this and the the following film uh, at World's End. But that was the that's the crazy thing about it, though, is because... You know, obviously Disney wanted to do more because that first one was such a success, and so they went to Gore Verbinski and said, "What, what do you think about doing more pirate movies?" He was, he was probably like, "Oh, you know, that sounds pretty cool." And they're like, "So, like, so you want to like get a sequel coming up? Like, what are you thinking?" Um, you know, this is just want to pitch this idea. What do you think here? Um, so you know that Matrix series and the the the, the Lord of the Rings movies. You, you heard about those? Yeah, those are pretty cool. Um, do you know how they make those? Yeah, they make them, like, all at once, which is pretty crazy. Is it? You want to give it a try, maybe? Yeah? Like, to put it in perspective, the combined budget for Dead Man's Chest and At World's End is, like, <laughs> more than half a billion dollars. <laughs> it's insane. And, to put it put it mildly, like, because today there's a lot of movies that are re routinely, like, 250, 300 million dollars. This is 2006, 2007. 2006, 2007. And, again, this was, like, during a time when they would do stuff like this sometime. Like, again, those only other two examples I could think of is Lord of the Rings filming the whole thing at once and the Matrix sequels filming the two movies at once. And then there was also, I mean, Back to the Future also had a little yeah. thing. But that was a little before, you know. But as far as recent stuff at that point, contemporary, really. Yeah. I honestly recommend if anyone has like the the special features, like if they're available to anyone, watch them because they're actually like like they're not just like them like 
you know, stroking their egos or anything like going, oh, this, this, you know, the production, this was great. It's literally like home video style shots of like Gore Verbinski, Terry Rossio and, and Ted Elliott and uh, Jerry Bruckheimer and the producers just sitting and trying to figure out what are they going to do for these, this like 200 day shoot to make two huge movies for Disney. And, and the other thing with that, like, it actually makes me think of like the Peter Jackson like production diaries like that you would get mm-hmm. on some of those movies. Um, like especially the first pirates movie is some of the best bonus features I've ever seen on any sort of like mainstream, like disc as far as that stuff's concerned. Um, but definitely, definitely look into that. Like this is a massive, uh, what do you say is a massive production, massive undertaking. This movie alone cost $225 million. And it shows Yes, because there, because there's a lot of there's a lot of like two hundred plus million dollar movies that don't look like they spent a red cent on it. Like no, like nothing against Marvel movies, but and again, it's Disney as well. But like it, they, some of them look kind of cheaper than you would expect. Maybe a lot of the budget went towards like getting the actors involved, or but even then, a lot of the actors they they get their a lot of the actors, especially Robert Downey Jr. gets his money on the back end. Yeah, you know, so that so that upfront, co- I mean, unless there's like some other upfront costs too with that, I, I don't know. Point being, point being, like, this is a great looking movie. I know people like like to <laughs> it talk, really is. like to talk crap about Pirates two and three. We're here to defend Pirates two, so if we're here to be on its side. No, just, the two dudes are on our side, boys. <laughs> I just realized what you were doing. <laughs> the dudes are on our sides. Aye, boys, the dudes are on our side. That's all we need. Ah! Yes, you see that that's that's where that's where they get that's where that's where those the, those haters get you is when the two dudes don't support something. Oh no, they're able to take advantage. <laughs> This is how much we love Pirates 2. This is this is the Pirates 2 um, uh, Stan Man's chest. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. You know what? I'll accept that only because I agree, even if I don't like the word Stan. That's but fair. I'm going with it. That is fair. I'm I, going I, with it. Listen, but uh, this is a, a mass, like, this is a gorgeous movie. I think about, like, okay, like, period detail on things. Like, this is a big budget movie. A lot of big budget movies... Don't have to worry about period detail because they're either set in a fictional universe or they're set in basically the real world, i.e. the Marvel movies are just set in the real world. They just have superheroes and stuff yeah. like that. But with this one, the details make even the fantastical stuff seem tangible. Like when you see like the grit and the dirt and the teeth and, and, every, and the hair and every little detail that they put on even just the extras... And everyone doing these movies, even like, like even though obviously they're not going to put any dirt on like you know Orlando Bloom's face because you know a he's a good looking man, b you know he's the star of the movie, and the last thing you want is your stars to look dirty like the rest of everyone. But they still look like sweaty because they're in the Caribbean. They're wearing these heavy outfits, so probably it's like a mixture of like spritzing, but also like actual sweat. So like they still have that tangible feeling, and they still it still makes. Everything that seems unbelievable, believable. Mm-hmm. So, like, a lot of care and detail went into everything with this movie. 
One thing I also want to bring up, too, with this movie, um, I'm sure we're going to get into the visual effects, we'll get to that. I think the casting of extras is such a huge thing with this movie. It makes me think of, like we were talking about with, with Rango, um, but also more specifically Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, like the supporting characters and like the characters that are just like one-offs are so memorable in this. Like I think about the scene, two scenes in particular, one where Orlando Bloom, where, where Will Turner is going from like all these different places trying to find Jack Sparrow and there's like different people trying to tell the story. And I think about that one dude Who's like? Who's, who's like? You know, he's just he's on the dock and he's like talk and he says like really cool talk about. He's talking like, about pork. He talk about and pork, and he talks about yeah. like a ship with black sails. And I'm like, it's so it's so cool that it makes you feel like that. That's the first time you're hearing that a ship with black sails exists, even though the last movie was has the name of a ship with black with a black sails. It's it just it amps and it makes it better so much, and it makes it better to find out that that man was in Paddington too. Yes. Oh my god. Because uh, I knew I recognized him when when cause I was like, I've seen this guy's face before. I just don't remember where. Or, and then we had to look it up and I was like, oh my god, he's in Paddington 2! And I also want to bring up the scene where they're recruiting pirates to get like the 99 souls. Yes. Oh my god, that's that scene. So just the opening bit, like I, I love the drunk guy. Like I don't give a ass rats whether I live or die. <laughs> I got one arm and a bum leg. Sign the roster. <laughs> it's the crow's nest for you. One of my favorites uh, is is I've, I want to sail the seas forever, <laughs> sooner than you think. <laughs> Sign the roster. <laughs> and, and, like like that that those extras are so memorable, and even like the supporting characters, like on the pirate ship. Outside of like talking about the main like actors too, you know when you when you have um you have cotton and you have you know, the other characters that are in that universe. Oh, the other thing I want to bring up when they're on the cannibal Island. Okay. And they're in the cages and you brought this mm -hmm. up too. the dude, the other dude who's in the other cage, who's got the, does the finger thing. It does the gesture. And I rem I'll, I remember that for the rest of my life too. I still, I, like if I want to like, like flourish when I'm pointing, I'll do that. I'll I still do that. Like man, that stuff is important. Casting your extras is very important. It's incredibly important. Even like a scene where like the characters are just fodder for the Kraken. Um, like the scene when Jack's hat floats to that one boat. Like you can't understand a single word those guys are saying, but I, I remember them. Yes. And I remember them trying on the hat and they're like, no, see, I look better. No, 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 no. Say, ah, I look pretty good now. Or all the then, guys um, talking about like Elizabeth's dress. <laughs> like this dress is haunted. <laughs> We must throw it off the boat. No, we don't want to make her angry. <laughs> uh, that all that is 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 so great. Um, but yeah, so all, good. all the production design too. I th also think about too Beckett's office as far as like production design. I know we talked yeah. about production design as well. Like his office, all the little details. Like you have like like the like the like the, like the tooth that's on that's on mm -hmm. his desk. You have like all the certain like whale imagery sometimes in some parts, and the map of like the world at that point in the seventeen hundreds massive props to rick heinrichs who did the production design on on this and at world's end um he's one of my favorite production designers he's worked on a few movies he's obviously worked with tim burton before so that's where i kind of got my connection with that but um i think the the movie i really started to notice his work was this one was pirates 2 especially the flying dutchman and how cool that looks and the design of it and just how like scary it looks like it has a mouth and teeth, 
and it's frightening. It's insane. It's it, that's that's absolutely incredible. Um, on, on all ends, the whole whole production is just top to bottom pretty great. Visual. Um, let's talk about visual effects. Mm. We talk about a lot of movies on this uh, on this podcast that involve. Or at least head- we try anyway. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we try. Yeah. But but like special effects, um, you know, everybody talks about like, like overusing them or under whatever. Like the this movie, I feel like has some of the best designed CG characters I've ever seen in any movie. This movie, in a lot of ways, I think, along with like something like Jurassic Park, I think really sets a standard for how. This I would probably say like the, the the three greatest examples of movies that perfect like perfectly use CGI it's like Jurassic Park this and the the apes the ape reboots because you wouldn't put you wouldn't put Avatar in there or would you would you say oh, I didn't more, even I didn't even think I didn't even think of that but you know I would put that in there as well you know I think it's a different thing to I think it's a different thing to mention because Avatar is an entirely like CG world yeah so I I I'll counter myself. <laughs> but but like but like as far as like 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 characters and specific things being put yeah in a real landscape you know there's just something to be to to be learned from with how well that these specific movies do and in the case of pirates of the caribbean look no further than davy jones and his crew because it's even by today's standard i mean we're watching the movie and there's maybe a few things here and there that we're noticing but a lot of what makes it so effective isn't just how great the effects are but it's also the way that they're presented to us and i've talked about this before lighting matters shadows matter because if you show too much or too little or or, or frame it a certain way people are going to notice what you're showing and people are going to you know be disassociated to take themselves right out of the movie and very rarely does that ever happen if at all in this movie because not only do we have a great cg character like davy jones but again it's it's well presented and well performed it's it's one of those like perfect examples of something created on screen that i think everybody should look at and how to proceed further in the future i i just want to bring up to like the other members of his crew before we delve into just the brilliance of davy jones but like i think the the hammerhead shark one is a memorable one. I think about the one shot mm-hmm. where he comes out of the he comes out of the water and it's like close up. And his, his, his like eye. Yeah, I love yeah. that. There's the dude with like the ship, the 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 the, the, the wheel on it, steering his back, wheel, steering wheel on his mm. back. Uh, there's like there's so many, and of course, of course you have you have to mention um, uh, what you call it, the hermit crab guy, the hermit crab guy who, like I mentioned in the first half, shows up in Pirates Three. As one of the Singapore pirates uh, that works with uh, Chow Young Fat, so fun fact, like that—that's really cool. But yeah, th- like this movie, like it starts and ends as far as just the the, the majesty of this movie with <laughs> with Bill Nye's amazing performance. Like he's so good. This. Listen, I mean, a lot of people when you when you talk about like franchise trilogy type villains, so many people will go to like Darth Vader as like the top tier like to strive for, and it makes sense because you know from an iconic standpoint, from a visual per, uh, performance, obviously James Earl Jones' iconic voice in that role, um, and so when people make comparisons like oh this it's this 
villain from this franchise is like the Darth Vader of this or Darth Vader of that. In a lot of ways, even though he's introduced in the second movie, Davy Jones is very much the Darth Vader of this movie. And he's got such an interesting backstory, but he's also got such an amazing presence. And you have massive props, as you said, to Bill Nye. Um, his performance is amazing. He's so good. And even just the little things that he does, like he adds so many like little ticks and things, like the little like lip, the, the little, that whole yes. thing. Yes. It's so good. I remember I, I get so excited every time it shows up. <laughs> or like, um, like just the way he says things, you know, obviously the classic line, do you feel death? You know, just the moment he shows up, and even just the way that the movie introduces that character, like when he goes on the ship and you hear that great Hans Zimmer music, dun, 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 dun. and he shows up and you see the claw, like kind of kind of close a little bit, and everyone's like freaking out, like this guy's the devil. So I also want to bring up too with this with this character. I think a lot of ways this movie, I don't want to say it's a remake of 20,000 Leagues, but it has a lot of 20,000 Leagues elements to it. Of course, like you have to mention the Kraken, you know, is is the giant is the giant squid of the movie and is yeah, appro- yeah. appropriately intimidating. Every time it's on screen, you are concerned for, for these characters. I mean, you know that a lot of these characters live. I, it's a franchise. I'm sorry. What do you want me to say? <laughs> but. Like, oh my god, it's... Spider-Man died! Yawn. Sorry, I'm probably gonna cut that out. That was me. <laughs> Spider-Man turned to dust, and you had to wait a year for Spider-Man to come back. Boo-hoo. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> no, but that. The, the Kraken is is appropriately intimidating, and every time it shows yes, up, yes. It, the level of destruction that it causes is genuinely impressive, even though it's only a couple of boats. In comparison to other movies where things are toppled over in 35 like countries, it seems like. It leaves an impact. There's no question about that. Like, even just, like, the first time, it literally just, like, sucks a boat down into the water. Like, nothing. Like, like no tentacles, nothing. It just goes... And it's real quick, and you're like, shit! But I was going to say, like, the 20,000 Leagues comparisons don't end there, because Captain Nemo is very much, like, a character, you know... I, I Like, their motivations are a little different, but mm-hmm. there is some type of, like, vengeance. Uh, there's a little bit of a vengeance streak in Davy Jones, where he's trying to go after... He's trying to go after Jack Sparrow, you know, and he's just, like, yeah. relentless in his pursuit, and is destroying the all these ships, like, sort of like Captain Nemo... And the ship goes underwater too. It's like a submarine. <laughs> and also, also to add to that, there is a point where they go on an island with, um, with cannibals, which that has its own problematic things. We've talked mm, about yeah. we talked about that a little bit more in depth with the Twenty Thousand Leagues episode. How that kind of falls in like the adventure movie trope and all that yeah, sort of yeah. stuff. You know, um, that's been said before, but. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just like uh, those character parallels are, are are certainly there and. I mean, Bill Nye, Bill Nye, ILM, they really create, and I just think about too, they both play the organ. Captain Nemo and him both play the organ, both beautifully. Yeah. That, that scene is intense in the, in the best way. Just him like using his tentacle beard to like, watch, 
just the fact that I can say that sentence, tentacle beard, is great. <laughs> it's so fun. It's much more better than shell holes from the, the camera episode. Yeah. No, you're, you're right. I just think about the level of detail in that, too, where you look at in the front like part, like, obviously the organ itself is beautifully conceived, but also, like, with mm -hmm. the front part, where you see, like, the angel, looks like the angels are going off, are going off to sea. Mm-hmm. That, like, that's kind of, like, middle part above, like, where he has, like, the music sheets. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I really I like, like... That always stuck so with good. me. Um, but this... And also, too, we get a lot of returning people, of course, because it is a sequel. Yeah, and we learn a little bit about more... We learn a little bit more about our characters. Um, primarily, of course, uh, because he's the popular character, we get to learn a little bit more about good old Mr. Captain Jack Sparrow. You know, and we learn that um, the reason he's a captain to begin with is because of Davy Jones. Because for some reason, Jack was... Like, it's funny to think how, like, in the first movie, we, we see Jack Sparrow as this legendary pirate. We hear about him, even though, like, you know, obviously, there's sort of a downplaying from, you know, Norrington, but ultimately, he's built up as this, like, figure and this presence and this legend in the in the world of piracy. But in this movie... We learn that maybe the legend is a bit too big because this is sort of, I feel like this movie is sort of where we see the, the beginnings of like the more cowardice Jack Sparrow a little bit. Like he's still like charming and he's still obviously manipulative and he still has all those characteristics and good and bad characteristics from the first movie. But now we're seeing him like, crap. <laughs> oh no. That's, that's the other thing. I like that people like backstab each other in these movies too. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. they're pirates folks <laughs> and like it's it's just such it's, a, it's such a transition to to sort of now start to learn that jack sparrow is probably not necessarily what he was billed as the first time we meet him and that the reason he's a captain is because he sold his soul to the devil essentially but also too we got to talk about how it relates to the, one of our other new characters uh beckett yeah cutler beckett um, played by Tom Hollander, not Tom Holland, who would have been a baby or not born at the time. Tom Hollander, um, <laughs> who's kind he's of very a, good to, in this. He's very good in he, this too. He is very good. He's kind of the the, for lack of a better uh, comparison, um, the Palpatine of this movie. I guess you could say. Yeah, he is. He's kind of like he is kind of like a like a Palpatine type, you know. And like in the next movie, he almost kind of feels like a uh, like a Tarkin, a little bit. Yeah, you know what? I could definitely see that because like, like, like a at, at that point, spoiler, he sort of has Davy Jones on his leash, basically. Yeah, at, at that point, you know, so it kind of like makes you think like a, a Tarkin Vader kind of dynamic from A New Hope, uh, mm. but. Uh, I just want to mention before he's also in John Adams. He plays King George the <laughs> Third in one of my favorite, probably I think one of my favorite like uses of of Tom Hooper's style, which can be so awkward with the way he like he frames and oh, shoots yeah. things. It was perfect, perfectly used for for that moment, and I really love that show. It's the best thing he's ever done. Just you know, mm -hmm. I will say I also like his Dark Material, which I, I have seen both seasons of, and I do like that show, even though he only directs like the first episode i think i don't remember mm. what i thought was kind of it's funny that you mentioned that because like i think it's funny how tom hollander and jonathan price are on that taboo show with with tom hardy but the main villain is the east india trading company and yet 
Jonathan <laughs> Price is the head of it versus in this movie he's not and Tom Hollander teams up with Tom Hardy to defeat the East India Trading Company so it's just we've gone full circle now folks <laughs> we've gone full circle but also but to go back to Beckett I mean you know like the scene that we we both left our marks on the other yeah and so we learn that he was the one that branded Jack with the P the the P for pirate on his arm and so they, the two clearly have a history together. Though the history itself isn't necessarily explored. It's sort of left kind of vague a little bit. It, it's left vague, though I've seen people make posts about it. Like, I see... Like theories like, and stuff? Like, theories... I, I think there's some more some stuff that's, like, almost semi-concrete. I have to look, it, look into it further, but some of it deals with more, like, the slave trade. And, like... Okay. Jack is, is like... You know, Jack, Jack is, is a pretty decent, like, guy... For what he like, something something went something happened with that. I think is something okay. something to that effect. I have to look that up, but yeah. So there's obviously a thing thing between uh, between those two. Also, the you made me miss guy from American Werewolf in London is so good. <laughs> He's so good as the goon. Like I think about the scene where Ethan Governor, shame man. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> he had this on him. It was a letter to the king. It's from you. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> that that was so that was so so good. Uh, he's he's perfect. He's perfectly he's perfectly like just like evil, but like not like the big bad threat kind of guy. Yeah, but like he like lurks and he creeps. Like the scene in Tortuga after like the big old like fight with everybody, and then Elizabeth is talking to Jack, and like Norrington's there, and then you just see in the shadows just him. Just creeping, <laughs> you know. But I mean, just 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 think about them. Um, uh, uh, Tia Dalma. Tia, oh my God, Tia Dalma is probably one of my favorite um, newer characters. For, um, and it's funny because like I, when we were watching it, I was talking about how I think Gibbs probably is like one of the best like exposition characters. Like N- Gibbs is a great character to begin with, but like obviously his thing is that he's got all these like he he's like the He's like that character that knows so much about everything and like he keeps tabs on things. So he knows all the the nautical legends and the stories and stuff. So like when they talk about the Kraken and he's telling the story about it on their way to see Tia Dalma, it's like a great story. And like he's the kind of guy you want around a campfire to be telling telling some great stories. And like he was that character in the first movie. And then when Tia Dalma shows up and starts doing something similar, uh, I was immediately like, Tia Dalma's going for Gibbs' shtick here. And then they actually get in a confrontation and I forgot that happened. I was like, oh yeah. She's like she's like, no no no, I was the sea he fell in love with. Same story, different versions. And all are true. <laughs> But on that note, Naomi uh, Naomi Harris, who's the second time we've talked about her, because she was in um, Rampage, yes, with with uh, The Rock with Dwayne Johnson. Um, I love her. I think she's great. I, I haven't I don't I haven't seen her a lot, but I tend to like just like her when she shows up. She's in uh, the James Bond movies as Money Penny right now. I think it's like as far as big franchises she's involved with. Yeah, it's the uh, other one I can think of. Yeah, yeah, and she's great. I liked her in Skyfall. Skyfall's my favorite james bond movie um from the recent years that i can think of so she's appropriately memorable in this movie i think that's the big thing with i think our big thing is like we i remember everybody <laughs> yeah ex- oh my god dude like the moment she shows up she goes jack sparrow 
her, her little like place is really memorable too. Like there's like the snake that's there, <laughs> like the like the jar of eyeballs just hanging there next to the next to the one guy who has a wooden eye. Which is, I don't know why. Also, that that area Tia Dalma's like area makes me think a lot about the Disneyland pirates and like you were saying little, that like yeah. the Blue Bayou area. Like when you eventually we'll take you to Disneyland, but like. <laughs> Like their their pirates queue is very different from ours and like the area in general because they have a whole like little bayou area and there's like fireflies there's like a firefly like effect there's like little fireflies that look like they're flying around and I I get that sort of vibe um I get that sort of vibe from uh from Tia Dama's place Mm -hmm. you know but and also just like returning characters um Norrington comes back. Which was kind of like you don't really expect him to come back, and he does, and yet he's such a fun element. I love him in this movie. Uh, <laughs> like he's so great. Like he, like he's just like done. He's like he hates everyone. Like he's not like he he's lost all status, even though he wants his title back and he wants his position back. But the whole time he's just like, I hate all of you. <laughs> and then I hate everyone. <laughs> And then as far as other, like, character, like, sort of changes, we have Elizabeth Swan takes on a much larger role here. Like, in the first movie, she's important. She's important, but you can sort of see that while she is sort of still taking on elements of the damsel in distress, they're, like, pushing her further away from that trope to, like, make her something a little bit different. In this one, she's full-on involved. You know? Like, she's she's going on the adventures with them. She's sword fighting with everyone. She's intimidating. Though, everyone is horny for her. <laughs> like, it's... <laughs> like, every every few, every so often, like, someone's just going... Even Norrington, like, casually just goes, I would have, you know, w- once upon a time, I would have given anything to be lo- looked at that the way you look, looked at, uh, the way you look at him. <laughs> no, or, or, like, the part where, like, both her and Jack say, like, taste, like, tasted... <laughs> and she like she's clearly just going you want to know what it tastes like and you're like, tastes like yeah <laughs> you're just like fanning yourself like oh kira but one of my it. favorite moments with her in the whole movie and i'm gonna it's gonna lead into one of my favorite things about this whole movie is where there's the three-way sword fight uh which is just sounds really funny <laughs> to say that now um <laughs> But that's basically what's happening. That's, and that, like that's like not just a literal, but it's metaphorical. It's <laughs> and and you you see uh, Elizabeth is just trying to get their attention, and then she pretends to faint. She's like, oh, oh, the heat! And then and then um uh what what are the uh uh Pintella and Rigetti. Like that, like the the, be- the best is just like any moment where they just say just something. Like, like they're like, what do you think? What do you think their motivations are? Well, you, you know, Will Turner's trying to like uh, try to get that with his twice cursed father, Jack. Well, you know he, you know him. <laughs> like uh, that, that chest must be worth that shiny penny. Oof, terrible temptation. <laughs> it would be, the be the, good of us to remove temptation from the their The best path. part, one of the other parts where they're trying to like, they're all trying to like say something at Tia Dalma's place, and he goes, the dichotomy of good and evil. <laughs> Gold, riches, the dichotomy of good and evil. <laughs> what vexes all men? The sea, the dichotomy of good and evil. <laughs> I, I love, which is I think appropriate too, because he's, he comes up with the idea to like trigger the event, trigger an event happening in the third movie. 
they're, they're really they're really fun. Uh, they they are the they are the two dudes of this movie. They, that is for they sure. Are. They are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, those characters are great. I, I love. Um, we got. I mean, we got to kind of talk about Will Turner too, because he's got a massive presence, especially because his dad shows up. Yes, Bootstrap we, Bill. I can't believe we forgot to talk about Bootstrap. I'm so sorry. Boots, um, boots, bootstrap is because obviously we hear so we heard so much about Bootstrap in the first movie and learning that um, Will Turner has this pirate lineage because his dad somehow in a like small world connected Star Wars kind of way just so happened to be a member of Jack's crew and was the only member of Jack's crew to not want necessarily if i remember correctly he like they threw him overboard because yep. he didn't want to be yeah, a part the, of the mutiny i think he had like the like can that. the cannon strapped to him or like the cannonball strapped yeah, to him or whatever they, yeah they 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 strapped a cannon told bootstraps bootstraps i believe is the line and um out of nowhere stellan skarsgard in an incredible makeup by the way on that note stellan skarsgard shows up cuz as as we've discussed while watching this if you really want a great franchise you should probably throw a Skarsgård in there somewhere. Alexander, Bill, or um, Stellan. Gotta throw him in there somewhere. And we learn that Bootstrap has now become a member of Davy Jones' crew. And so um, when Will finds this out, he he now is set on a mission not just to save Elizabeth, but to save his father from eternal damnation. And so uh, that becomes his main goal is to kill Davy Jones simply for his father and there's actually a lot of like really great scenes i think between orlando bloom and stellan skarsgård just like obviously you know we're learning more about the two characters but i think they they work pretty well together and i like um like the dice scene obviously which and you you probably you could probably agree with this but like when you first watched it or like when i first watched it it was really confusing but you kind of knew what was going on yeah yeah. Like like I had to watch a YouTube video recently to remind myself how the whole like mechanics of the of Liar's Dice works. Dude, and now it's so I funny know with these movies because like they come with like a rule book of Liar's Dice on like what the Blu-ray. And then I think about <laughs> with the third with the third film, they have a whole sheet that answers your questions that you had after the third movie. <laughs> Do you remember that? I kind of now that you say that, I'm like yeah, I kind of I'm, I'm picturing it in my head a little bit. That's pretty wild. Um, yeah, and but those those two, yeah, I definitely agree are are, are really they're really great um, together, and I think they're they're both good. I'm also just like and Jacks. I mean Johnny Depp. Like we said, we talked about Johnny Depp. I'm just like going through the rolodex of of characters. I think I think that's just about everyone. I mean, as far as like it's a huge cast of characters. Like I mean. There's one character we could talk about um, that, I mean, he shows up, but he, he, he's not, he's like the, the Luke Skywalker of this movie. He was, it was exciting. I remember being really excited. It was so cool back. because, okay, so let's paint a picture a little bit. We're going to spoil the ending for this movie. So um, the Kraken has finally taken on the Black Pearl and... Uh, effectively as as us as the audience think he's killed jack so so davy jones has finally gotten his revenge jack is dead but there's so much that's just happened and we don't know what's going on beckett's got the heart now because norrington stole it just so he can become part of the you know be a privateer be a be a commander commodore again 
and now our heroes are in complete you know sadness elizabeth especially because she was sort of instrumental in the kraken killing jack Mm -hmm. because she you know kissed him and then shackled him which caused which um will saw now now will thinks that elizabeth wants to be with jack and so he's all confused now and they're all at tia dalma's place and they're all sort of like you know memory like remembering jack and i remember like i i knew about the trilogy thing going into this because you know, we talked about it, and I remember my friends that I saw the movie with going, you know, they're planning this to be a trilogy. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. So when the when the cliffhanger ending came, I wasn't as surprised, but the whole time I was still, like, on the edge of my seat, so I'm not thinking about it. So I'm like, wait, so Jack's dead now? What's going to happen? Oh, my God. And so then they're like, okay, we're going to go to the world's end. We're going to go to Davy Jones' locker. We're going to save Jack, and we're going to, you know, kick Davy Jones' bootay. But of course, they need a captain. And who do they get? Well, earlier in the movie, we saw a pair of boots with the monkey uh, sitting on top of them. And these boots belong to none other than freaking Hector Barbosa. <sighs> it was beautiful to see him. And, and, he, and even when he, cho- when he eats the apple... Because that, like the the apples, his whole shtick from the first movie in a way. And you see, like the little like apple, like just juice, like Dri- the the dribble down his chin. It's, that, oh my god! That was that was a really cool, um, really cool moment, um, in 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 that movie, in, in this movie. But and I just want to talk about now the fu- the the action sequences. They're so fun. Like the, there's like a chunk in the middle that's a little slow. And you're like, okay, this guy's going on this ship, then another ship, and then we're hopping here and there. And you know, it's like, yeah, whatever. And then once you get to a certain point, especially when when they get to um, get to wh- where like the chest is buried, yeah, that's when things just go. Whew. Things like, go we, like, go from zero to ninety. <laughs> <laughs> so like we get we get the three way sword fight, yeah, mm. <laughs> uh, the three way sword fight. Um, the menage uh, sword fight, if you will, uh, between <laughs> Jack, <laughs> Will, <laughs> I just saw your face after I said that, Jack, Will, and Norrington, and not only that, though, Davy Jones' crew is now storming the island, because Davy Jones can't come himself, because he can't step on land, like, when, except for one time every ten years, um, which brings up a weird plot hole in the third movie, which we'll talk about in a year, um, <laughs> Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Spoil, we'll spoiler alert for next year. Spoiler alert for next year. But um, uh, Elizabeth is now teamed up with Pintel and Rigetti to like try and make sure that none of Davy Jones' crew gets the uh, chest. So they're like, and they only have two swords amongst the three of them. So they have to keep throwing swords to each other. And I love the like bit. Like it's so badass when um, Keira Knightley gets both swords and then she does like the swish and then like stabs the two behind her. Badass. That's really cool. cool. And chasing the chest around. But I also just like to the motivate all the characters' motivations all make sense going after that chest. Yes, they do. Like you know, Norrington of course wants the chest to redeem himself and restore his position of power. Jack is like, "Uh, wait a minute, who the hell's going to control the giant freaking squid? And you know, he doesn't want to get killed by Davy Jones. Yes, this is true. This is very true. Yeah, it's just like you can't you can't just let this giant squid just go around willy nilly. Will's trying to avenge as I, uh, he's trying to uh, you know release his father from damnation. So they all have 
the specific thing. And then Patel and Rigetti just want money. Which is fine. It's fine. That's who they are. That, but like, and then the whole the whole sequence they're fight they're fighting on the beaches, and then they get to that mill, the big old wheel with the wheel, and just just all the shenanigans, the shenanigans that go on um on there, and they're fighting on like the you know because they're next to like a like a graveyard, they're fight they're fighting on the building, and just, <laughs> just I love that when Jack falls into the like freshly dug grave, like he just got the keys, confident, and he just well, <laughs> he just pops his head up like huh. <laughs> and then the wheel comes and then picks him up as it goes. Oh man. Like the whole the whole thing is just so it's so impressive and it feels so it feels so seamless and well it well put together as a whole sequ- sequence. Even um like how they do the wheel thing. I mean, there's probably some cuz like I remember watching the bonus features and seeing them try to figure that out like how they were going to fight on that. So there is some legitimate stunts in there. Like I love the shot when the camera is sort of like locked on the wheel as it's spinning. Mm-hmm. So you're just kind of seeing them sword fight and you're just kind of like, oh God. Right. <laughs> so like, it's so fun. It's it's probably one of the more fun scenes of the movie. Um, and it, it'll always stick out, honestly. I also love on that same note, the cage scene. When they're like when when they're when the, when you got all the members of the Black Pearl just like stuck in a cage and they're like trying to run away from the from the from the cannibals. Yes, that's a lot of fun. <laughs> and then it, like they trip one time and then the cage because it's circular just starts rolling. <laughs> that's a lot of fun. Um, I'm also just thinking about like the scene, the end scene with with the Kraken. We talked about the Kraken a number of times. But particularly when it's when it's attacking the pearl at the, at the very end, and they have to like, there's a race against time to try to set up the cannons and set up like the explosives and gunpowder before it before it strikes again. And you're on the I, I've seen the movie many times, but I'm still on the edge of my seat. I'm still on the edge of my seat watching that. The buildup with the kraken, like the many times he he shows up, is incredible. I think like the first time again, it just sucks the ship down like it's nothing. The second and then. The second time, even though he's not there, you see the presence. You know when when Will goes on that sh- that uh, ship that's been wrecked, and the one guy's like, you know, beneath us foul breath. And then like the dude whose face was suctioned off with the tentacle, like like um like Gibbs was talking about. And then um with that crew that had the dress, which the, like they really just let the Kraken loose. And even the effects there too, especially I think of the effect when the giant tentacles come out and they like sort of land and crush the ship and you're seeing like the suction cups and how great they look. Mm-hmm. Admittedly, you're like really surprised by that. And then it all leads to this amazing grand moment with the black pearl where will having experienced everything and, and, decides okay this is what we're gonna do everyone get to the cannons and it just leads to one of my favorite like weird things they do in all these movies is like whoever the captain is will say something quiet and then everyone screams the command like <laughs> like will screams it elizabeth screams it gim screams it barbosa screams it no, and, like, i kind of i kind of want that in avengers endgame where after he's a uh, cap says avengers assemble and then like you're spider-man <laughs> avengers assemble <laughs> just freaking like spider-man or like 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 like, um uh star lord just screaming it for some reason because why not why is just why not like that whole and then um and then like the the final face-off with like jack and 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 the kraken oh my god 
It's like, so iconic. Like, like, uh, and he's like, hello, beastie. And you see him with the sword, like, plunging into the mouth of the be- of the beast. And you see, like, the mandibles, like, the big old, like, sharp teeth, like, coming around, like, coming around him. And, uh, it's so good. It's so good. It's a great, it's a great movie, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> And now this movie actually does have because like you were telling me that you actually have a like a personal connection to this, don't you? Well, I have a, I have a lot of I mean, yeah. So Pirate, Pirates of the Caribbean, I, I really liked the first one, but then when I got watched the first one on DVD again, like a couple years later, I was like really appreciated the kind of movie that it was, and I was like obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. And then this movie, like I remember, it came out when I was still like summer camp age. And we were like, oh, if everybody signs their permission slips, you can, we can see a PG-13 movie. One person didn't sign their permission slip. So we had to see, I think, Nacho Libre or something at the time, which was a bummer. But then we were able to see the movie at like a 9, 9.15 p.m. screening at night, which was a cool thing for me at like, uh, this was like 2006. I was like 12, I was like almost 13 years old and never having like done a midnight screening or anything like that. But just being at a movie that late was kind of cool, and, like, getting out at midnight. Like, you're hanging out with the adults now. Like, ooh. And I was like, I had a blast watching it. I was like, man, I, and it was, like, I, for a, as a kid for a long time, I was like, yeah, I like this better than the first one. And I think, like, the I think the first one is, like, the best one, but as, like, a favorite, it's it's hard, as I, I feel like I would lean towards this some days, and then some days maybe Black Pearl, you know? It, it's, it's just hard, because yeah. this movie has, like, you got... You know, the Norrington Redemption stuff. Of course, Davy Jones. Of course, the Kraken. Tia Dalma. All those great... Uh, the, the, the the wheel scene and everything. It's got so many, like, really fun, um, amazing set pieces and just, like, comical... Just comical moments. Mm-hmm. Of course, like, as, as we said, like, you know... Like, all the stuff with Gibbs at, at, at uh, Tortuga. <laughs> including those four, that gives us four. Four. <laughs> <laughs> Or um, uh, one of my other favorite lines in that movie too was when he was just like, uh, "That way, direction." <laughs> we are going in the um, the that way direction. This was the first time I'd ever seen like a full on after credits scene in a movie. Really? Be- this was because like I saw the movie for the first time, you know, at that like opening day, like you know, nine o'clock screening, and then I saw it with my uncle. Like a like probably about a month later, a couple weeks later, and we arrived mm-hmm. at our screening early. So we went in. You know, we were about to sit. This is at like at, a lo, at when it was like Lowe's theaters, okay, before it was AMC. This is a long time ago. Wow. Um, and we entered. And the credits were rolling, and we didn't expect anything. And then we see the scene where like, and we see like the dog as like the king of the cannibals. Mm-hmm. You know, I like that. I like that. Like this, this, this move. These movies sort of like are the. You can almost look at these movies as sort of a blueprint for how to do blockbusters with Disney because all all three movies have after credits. Yeah, they do. This is true. That's a good point. The first movie ends with the monkey Jack uh, getting a coin, so he's st- which explains why he's still undead in the sequel. The dog is the king of the cannibals in the second one, and the third one, I forget what's it's it's the I think. Is it the Will? I think it's the Will Turner thing. Yeah, that's right. With, with, Will, it was ten, yeah, it was ten years later. Ten years later, and the, yes, and he has a like he has a ba- he's a baby boy now, and they see the green uh, spark in the sky. That's right. I I remember the first time I saw this was with a bunch of my friends, but I think the one experience I I'll always remember is um like when I was younger, I would always go to the movies with my grandma, 
and that was like the one thing her and I would do all the time. It was like um, that's that's that those few years, um, sadly, before she passed away um, in, in the late two thousands. Um, her and I would go to the movies all the time. We would see all types of things. We saw Batman Begins. We saw Superman Returns. We saw we saw the Omen remake on six six oh six. Wow! <laughs> yeah, we did that, and our screening broke, and we were both like, "Was this because of the devil?" And she's like, "Probably." <laughs> <laughs> but like the one franchise, I think we were both really excited to see was. Um, were, were the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. She loved Jack Sparrow. And so she loved, she loved like, all the action and stuff. And she didn't really... She didn't even mind that they were long movies. Mm. You know, she, like, she's having a good time. We're sitting watching these movies. And so it was always exciting to, to get to go, like, see this. So we saw... I remember we didn't see the first one in theaters together because we didn't... We were still kind of just starting to do that, go to the movies together. And uh, we would have dinner afterwards every single time. But... I remember us being at my house and we watched the first one and then we went and saw the second one and she loved, I mean, she loved the first one, but she loved the second one and she loved the third one. And it's one of my favorite experience experiences to go to the movies when I was younger, because it was something that, you know, cause I, I guess I, I, there's times I've been able to connect with like my other family members outside of my immediate family, but you know, not as often. And so this one is really memorable because this was a point, especially with my grandma, I was able to like bond with her over something. And so it was a lot of fun. And uh, I miss my grandma. I miss your grandma. That's that's beautiful. And also too, like, just um, I, I'm a box office guy. We know this mm, already. We yeah, talk about a lot in of Avatar. Course. You have to understand something about about billion dollar movies, okay? Like before before COVID, obviously, billion dollar movies seem to be like a dime a dozen. It seemed like, especially 2019, where you had like seven, eight, yeah. maybe, I think, something ridiculous like that. So, back when Pirates 2 came out, the only two billion dollar movies, to my knowledge, at that time were Titanic and Return of the King. That was it. Yeah. And then Pirates 2 broke a lot of records, and it broke Spider Man's record for like the fastest movie to ever get to a hundred million dollars in the US box office. It took two days to get to $100 million. It had the biggest That's opening insane. weekend of all time. At the time, it was the fastest movie to get to a billion dollars. took 63 days. That is insane. It was Disney's highest grossing movie until Toy Story 3. So that was so. That's literally from 2006 to 2010. So that's a pretty, that's a pretty good amount of years to and be I think number it's, one. It also shows you, this was like pre-Disney really doing stuff with Marvel and Star Wars and all that for a while. And Disney animation was down the tube at this point as well, kind of in certain respects. I know people like some of those early two thousands movies. We did talk about Atlantis, which we like, but the company mm. was not in the best it's, it's, position. It's a mixture of it's a mixture of like things. So like you, you have a few things that were working out and some things that weren't, and like they were really trying to figure themselves out a little bit. And this was, this was really their big. Um, franchise to sort of lean into this and, and Pixar. This, this and, and Pixar, Pixar were, were were the were their big were their big cash cows as far as the movies were concerned. They were really bringing in the dollars. Mm -hmm. Like even going so far as like the last Pirates movie they made was in what two thousand and eight two thousand or two thousand eighteen two thousand nineteen somewhere around there. Twenty seventeen. Dead Man. Twenty seventeen. Uh, Pirate. Twenty seventeen. Dead Man. Yeah. And so and they're still they're gonna make more. They got a reboot coming out from Margot Robbie. Um, which I'm admittedly excited about. Um, mm. It's it's even though they've like obviously been making 
huge money from Star Wars and Marvel and all this stuff. Like they're still making these pirate movies. So like even even now there's still something of an impact and especially i think people still kind of want to see these movies mm-hmm. and you know, i mean and- i mean the last one the last one made over 700 million dollars which is not like is a far cry from like a billion dollars with this movie made but that's not awful either in, no. in a lot of ways i mean the movie the movie's another that's another story but, <laughs> but- <laughs> you know so but, it, cle- but clearly yeah. this ha- this the, the impact of this movie and this franchise is still being felt and it's also kind of you pointed out to me too that it's like kind of crazy like a lot of movies disney makes today are pg-13 movies yeah because like pirates of the caribbean was like the first real like legitimate pg-13 movie and like you watch this one it it feels like a pg-13 movie but you watch pg-13 movies from disney now and it doesn't feel like a pg-13 movie it's it's movies have changed in the last 15 years quite a bit since uh since this movie but anyway, so these two movies, um, you know, they're, they're varying degrees of quality, and there are things that you can pick at with both with both films. Um, but they all, I also think for a lot, they're very important to us. Yes, they're very important movies to us in, in in various ways. Even if like you know, Legend of Zorro is not really a favorite of mine today, it's still a very important movie um, as far as my personal tastes in things. And then, and our feelings are on Dead Man's Chest. Like, if if the um, <laughs> there's no question. If, if the last um, <laughs> over over fifty minutes haven't convinced you that we love this movie, then nothing will. <laughs> nothing will. But the most important thing, for at least at this moment, is how important these movies are to the show. Because again, these these movies are are the sequels to the original films and. Uh, those were the two movies we talked about on the show, and so it's 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 sort of crazy to think that you know we've been doing this for this whole time, and while I admittedly would have probably it was I don't, I don't know what I would if there was any other option really now that I'm thinking about it for like what we would have done for the one year, but this makes sense. It's like a nice like callback. I'm glad we did this as the one year. Yeah, so. These movies, again, like you were saying, they're important and they're especially important for this show because it's a nice sign. It's it's a nice signaling that this show, uh, you know, has been gone has been going on for this long, and I'm happy about that, and I'm happy that we've been doing this. So, um, again, to anyone that has listened to the show, friends and family, or even just you know any random person that's found us on social media or on your podcast apps that you use, uh, we greatly appreciate. Uh, you spending time with us and we hope you uh, had a good time yeah 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 remember, remember <laughs> folks this is this has been two dudes one double podcast oh <laughs> no podcast. i even oh, messed no! up i messed up your mess up because <laughs> i call it double podcast <laughs> <laughs> so we're just gonna mutate it each at each at each one of these anniversary episodes <laughs> you know what that's perfect i'm okay with it so uh Folks, just uh, what what are your favorite sequels? What are some movies that mean a whole lot to you? Uh, what's your favorite uh, Pirates of the Caribbean sequel, and why is it Dead Man's Chest? Please let us know. <laughs> um, <laughs> were you about to say something? I'm sorry. No, I was just laughing. <laughs> uh, well, we will we will leave you with our incessant giggling. Uh, stay tuned. Have a good night, everyone.
Thank you all so much for listening to Two Dudes, One Double Feature this past year. It is my favorite thing that I'm doing right now. I couldn't imagine doing the show with anybody else. Joey, John, and Kenny, you guys are the best people to do a podcast with. John and Kenny have made amazing soundtracks, songs, skits, whole radio dramas for this show. They are the absolute best, and Joey is the best co-host anyone could ask for, and he's my best friend. I am so happy to be doing this show with him, and I can't wait to do more episodes. And to all of you listening right now who've been listening for this whole year and have enjoyed our episodes, we put a lot of work into these, so it means a lot to us. So thank you so much, and we hope to hear from you guys more often. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And, of course, a hint for next week's double feature, we are going to be continuing and actually ending my trek through the 90s Batman films. So stay tuned next week.